Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everyone, it's Matt again. Uh, just giving you some more links that you can find in the description page to help benefit the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, first off, we have seen some fantastic progress over the past month, but there is still so much change that needs to happen, which is why we are still seeing protests and demands for accountability. While Louisville has now passed a law banning no-knock warrants in honor of Breonna Taylor, the officers who are responsible for her death have still not been arrested and charged. There are so many funds and petitions right now on behalf of Breonna Taylor that if you're looking to help, it can be overwhelming to know where to start. If that's the case for you, I recommend going to the Fight for Breonna website, justiceforbreonna.org, so you can learn more about Breonna's case, sign up so you can receive updates, and learn more about how you can help through donating and educating. If you're looking to support a Black-owned business, I'd like to recommend this week Body Space Fitness. Let's be real, quarantine has done a number on our minds and bodies, and while your gym may be opening up in the near future, can you honestly tell me that you're going to feel 100% comfortable going back right away? Probably not. That is why Body Space Fitness is offering personalized one-on-one virtual training. These are virtual Zoom sessions with their private trainers who will curate personalized workout routines designed specifically for you, your body, and your goals. During these sessions, they will instruct you on your workout as well as offer you feedback in real time during your training. This isn't just like a YouTube pop sugar video. These are designed for you and meant to help you while you're doing them. You can learn more about this by visiting the website bodyspacefitness.com and clicking on live one-to-one virtual training. Our third link is for Broadway for Racial Justice, which again, you can find the description in the description box uh, with the previously mentioned pages. Uh, the link is bfrj.org, but I'm going to hold off on going into actual detail about the organization because this one was selected by our episode's guest, Charlie Franklin, who will be explaining more about it at the end of the episode. So thanks for listening, guys, and enjoy the episode. everybody out there welcome to another episode of broadway breakdown my obsession i am your uh semi-host these days matt Koplik. with me is a broadway juvenile uh he is blonde haired blue-eyed currently sporting a goatee which is if i must be honest 
sir. It looks a little glued on. I, I'm, I'm calling your bluff on this. You know, uh, I've never been able to grow this, so uh, it looks glued on to me. It's yeah. very odd to see it on my face. You look in the mirror and you're like, who's that guy? Uh, exactly. You know him from Book of Mormon, Bridges in Madison County, and uh, most recently, Tina, the Tina Turner musical. Please welcome to the pod, Mr. Charles or Charlie? I should have asked you. You know, I, would, I could go into that story if you want. Okay. Uh, Charles, Charlie, Franklin. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I probably should have asked you that before we recorded, but I'm not a professional, so there you go. I, I have people call me both. Long story short, there was already a Charles Franklin at Actors' Equity, and I had to choose a different name, so I went with Charlie. But I, you know, half the people in the world still call me Charles, so call me whatever you want. Just, just call me. That's to, just call me. To quote RuPaul, as long as you call me. Uh, how, <laughs> how are you doing today, Mr. Franklin? I'm doing all right. Yeah. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Where, where are we finding you these days? I am in St. George, Utah, at my girlfriend's house. Ah, oh, very nice, very nice. And it is hot there, you said, correct? Hot. It is hot. hot. Very hot. Yeah. Is it also like humid there? Like it would be? It's not. No, it's okay. pretty great. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it's the nice balance of, you know, if you're out in the sun, you're like, oh, that's hotter than any sun I've ever felt in my life. But if you're in the shade, it's like, this isn't so bad. It's not humid. It's just a nice, pleasant outdoor experience. The outdoors. I have forgotten what they are. Um, <laughs> But you know what? I'm a, I'm a city kid. I'm a theater kid. I'm a young Jewish gay boy. I've never really known the outdoors. I've always been partial to inside. <laughs> uh, what was your exposure into the theater? Uh, okay, so um, my mom is a voice teacher. She has her master's in opera, which she got uh, in Germany. And when I was about eight, I think, um, there was a production of The King and I happening in Albany. And I went and saw it and, and it was, uh, I guess I wouldn't say at the time it was eye-opening. Obviously it introduced me to, well, I guess wouldn't, I wouldn't say it introduced me to theater either because sound of music was my favorite growing up, but it introduced me to live theater mm. and uh, it sparked something in me because uh, my family started doing shows, all of us. Um, there's, there's four kids and my mom, uh, my dad's done a couple too, but, um, and then at age nine, I did a production of Camelot. And from then on out, it was, if my mom could get me into the audition room, <laughs> I would enjoy it. Oh, were you that little boy at the end of the show in Camelot? I wasn't, I was not, I didn't get that role. Then who the fuck I was just you? a page boy. You know, I had one line and it was, the queen is at the stake, your majesty, shall I signal the torch, your majesty, your majesty. And that's probably about how I said it because I didn't understand acting at all. No, I mean, we are, we get older, we get wiser. We still don't truly understand acting. Uh, to, be, to be honest, I don't understand Camelot. Uh, did you yeah. go end up to going off to school to do theater? I did. I went to Pace. Pace. Very nice. And then from Pace, yeah. what came next? Um, my senior year, uh, halfway through my senior year, I, I booked the swing in Bridges of Madison County. Halfway through your to, senior year. Yes. And at that point, I had a couple of classes left that I was taking, and they allowed me to figure out how to take them through uh, also doing it. You know, being in New York, it wasn't that hard. Uh, yes, I had to get up at 8 o'clock on my day off to go to mm -hmm. school, but, you know, it could have been worse. You are, I think, the third person recently who's like, oh, yeah, I booked this Broadway show or, like, this national tour while I was in school. And I'm just sitting here like, you know what? I see you and I hate you. And I there's want to be no part of me that does not feel unbelievably lucky and grateful for that. You know, it, it's 
saying it, yes, it's nonchalant at this point because I, I've lived it. It's it's past. But uh, you know, at that time, that was it was something. It, w- it wasn't real to me yet, and I, I know how special it is, and I know how lucky I had it. Yeah, I'm still gonna hate you for the rest of this. Episode. You're allowed to. You're Thank allowed to. You, I appreciate. <laughs> um, so, Bridges in Madison County. Tell me a little. How would you sort of sum up that experience in a nutshell, if you can, if you're able? Ooh, uh, uh, Kelly and Steve. I mm. mean, come on. I got to watch that show over 50 times, and what I saw of them doing, what I learned from them, it was just so cool it was just so cool to watch these two brilliant people um do what they did and they're not the only ones that entire cast was so special Very good. I, I mean anyone who saw the show I, i'll never hear the end of it and I, I agree with everything that they say it's it was really special um what's kelly o'hara like in rehearsal sort of like what's her process were you able to watch most of it so as swings we were brought in at the end of tech week Oh, okay. Or at the, I'm sorry, not at the end of Tech Week. At the end of the rehearsal room process. So we brought we were brought in for Tech Week to learn the okay. show. Okay. Um, so I actually will never really know uh, what she was like from the start. We were at the meet and greet and she was so kind and, and lovely. And um, and then after that, I just got kind of got to see what was close enough to a finished product. But mm-hmm. um, I can tell you that backstage, she's about as lovely as can be. She is the, always the one, she's a leader. She's, she's uh, in charge of keeping everyone sane and she does a heck of a job. That's lovely. I'm always sort of on the fence when it comes to the divas I love, where it's like, I want them to be perfect. But at the same time, I kind of want to hear stories, not about like them being awful, but like about them being a little gross. Uh, sure. Like I want to hear a story of Laura Benanti backstage at, gypsy smashing oreos and then (laughs) like that's what i want to hear i want to hear that like during great comet philippa sue like had gummy bears stuck in her costume so she could eat the gummy bears during the show Um, yeah you know i hear those stories sometimes about people and i'm not usually the one to spread those stories i i'd rather you know the ones that stick in my mind are the ones of people doing extra good things that's unfortunately i'm boring for a podcast it's fine. I am extra snarky for the both of us. Uh, it's, <laughs> okay. One of my favorite stories is Andrea McArdle when she was Fontaine in Les Mis on Broadway the first time. Yeah. By that I mean when Les Mis was on Broadway the first time, not that she played Fontaine multiple times on Broadway. Sure. Um, but anyone who knows Les Mis, or at least the original production, you know, everybody kind of doubles throughout the show, and Fontaine plays a bullet boy on the barricade in Act Two. And I guess at some point in her run, Andrea McArdle had gotten really good at sort of sneaking snacks in. So she had M&Ms that she like would put into a specific pocket in her costume. And then one night during Bring Him Home, she's supposed to be sleeping on the barricade and she turned just a little too much. And in the middle of Bring Him Home, this quiet little lullaby, you hear a raining of M&M's going through the barricade. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Like, that's the messy shit I love. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge dollar. I think it's time we go into Mr. Charles Charlie Franklin's uh, obsession today, which Woo! is about uniting and then dividing. Or dividing and then uniting. 
depending on how you <laughs> depending on which okay. character you're following <laughs> exactly depending on the timeline um what is your obsession today oh man it is of jason robert brown's the last five years yes and the i've other jason probably robert been waiting my entire life to talk about this at length <laughs> it is one of those things where you know if i am on a long road trip if i have time to kill if i was in my teens at any point that was playing it mm-hmm. is it's it's special it's smart lyrically musically i mean i'm also just to preface this podcast i am such a music and lyric snob mm-hmm. and nerd like i'll be like oh did you hear that a sus four sharp nine chord and my, you know anyone that i'm with is like shut up <laughs> obviously i wouldn't say that because i don't i mean maybe i would who knows but you know something like that sure and you know i'll be the first one to be like that internal rhyme how did they think of it uh, so absolutely. i'm ready for that because yeah, there's i'm a i'm here for that i mean i <laughs> i studied music theory in college i can't rightfully say that all of it stuck but i am i if i can't put the name to the musical phrase i at least acknowledge when a music when a moment in uh composing or orchestrating really kind of gets me i am i'm a i'm particularly a sucker for orchestrations which is why actually in regards to the last five years i don't know how if you've listened to all the major recordings of it there are three major recordings yes uh i am a fan of the orchestrations for all three because they're all different and they're all fantastic Uh, and you know what's fun about it is is the the minimal use of percussion because mm-hmm. the percussion is involved with either the voice of the actor or the um, instruments that are not usually percussion instruments. Yeah, I am a giant slut for percussion in orchestrations. <laughs> I love a deep, I love a slut for percussion. I love a deep drum beat. I love it when it's, you know, just, it hits you in the soul. Yep. Um, I I said this, I think, so I just had Antoine L. Smith on, and uh, I had I had uh-huh. mentioned oh he's uh, he's the best. I had mentioned <laughs> God damn it another phone call. I had just <laughs> mentioned a an audio I have of the final performance of Michael John Lacuse's Wild Party, which perhaps was not obtained legally, and people can come for me for that. I don't fucking care. The percussion it's worth listening to just because the whoever is the drummer in that pit in that final performance is giving his life and his blood and sweat and you just hear it and it just like hits you in the pelvis and that's the shit i love so for me to say that i like the orchestrations in the last five years where there is either no uh percussion at least no drum set or in the movie where it's a very light drum set that's saying something i have a funny story about orchestrations before we get into the last five years it does pertain to jason robert brown I, I'm a sucker for orchestrations. I will point out a specific thing and I'll be like, do you know why he did that? Do you know why she did that? Do you know why they did that? Because this is happening in the words. This is happening in the feeling and everyone around me, again, is just like, oh God, here we go. Yeah. But there's a, a, a song in, in Bridges where I had pointed out a string orchestration to him over Facebook Messenger because I had been listening and for some reason, my ears had never picked it up. Mm-hmm. And um, it's in the song, Look At Me. Um, and there is some section where these strings are so beautifully flowing. And I messaged him on Facebook saying, you know, these strings at this time in this recording, I don't know why I've never heard them. They're absolutely spectacular. So beautiful. Just, you know, reminding you how wonderful you are at writing music and whatever. And his genius response was just, you're just hearing them. 
because that's Jason Robert Brown yeah. and I love everything about it. To him, it's so obvious. To us, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> Do you know how many times it took me to listen to the original Another 100 People from Company and finally hear the moment of the orchestrations where Jonathan Tunick puts in the Bobby Baby, Bobby Bubby? Uh, I'm embarrassed to say how long it took me to hear that. See, now I'm excited to go back and listen to that and find that. Oh, absolutely. I'm talking the original, original company, um, Pam Myers. Listen to it. I think it's, it might, I think it's in the halfway point. Because uh, first, you know, the orchestra is just sort of uh, backing her up all over the place. And then the second time she gets to the chorus, it's in the chorus. Uh, and the, or they find each other in the crowded streets. You hear, ba-da, 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 ba-da. And that's not in the music itself. That is something that the orchestrator, Jonathan Tunick, put in. Yeah. It's like, just, you know, you know, just fuck me, you know? <laughs> that's all I have to say. And at some point, like, there's part of me that wants to go, oh, they were just being lazy. They copy and paste it, you know? But <laughs> no, of course not. Oh. Of course not. Never. So how did you come to find the last five years? You said it was in high school? Yeah, my, uh, I think it might have been either late middle school or high, yeah, it was probably high school. I, one of my friends introduced me to it. I think my friend Tori. Um, and he uh, was just like, yeah, hey, check this out. It's really good. And at that point, I was kind of just getting into expanding out of just whatever show I was doing, listening to more theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it stuck with me immediately. I thought it was so beautiful. I thought it was so um, tough to listen to. I was also in my teenage hormonal years where, you know, anything mm-hmm. was tough to listen to, but I also was like beginning relationships. So to have these two different kinds of people experimenting with these, you know, uh, you know, relationship with this relationship differently, it was hard at some points. I felt like the Jamie at some points. I felt like the Kathy. It was, you know, it's, that's my young teenage self being a theater nerd. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It takes a lot of self-awareness to recognize when you're being a Jamie, I think. Because- oh, for sure. Yeah. And I, and I immediately called myself out on that bullshit. I remember being in the car with my dad and I had, I had just broken up with a girl and I, you know, I hadn't slept with women and all that stuff, but I, it was, it was, uh, I was like, you know what, dad, I feel like a Jamie. He was like, yeah, well, you got a lot, a lot of life left to live before you feel like a Jamie at its fullest extent and everything. But you know, it's there. It's yeah, it's yeah. tough stuff. So what is the last five years about exactly for anyone who's listening and doesn't really know? So the last five years tells the story of this couple, Jamie and Kathy. Um, from Jamie's point of view, it goes from the, uh, when they first meet, up until the relationship ultimately fails. And from Kathy's point of view, it starts at the failing relationship when, they've, when he has left her and ends with uh, uh, him leaving her at her uh, doorstep after their first date. Yep. That is the, uh, I don't want to say gimmick, but that's the thing that The Last Five Years is perhaps best known for. It's a two-person musical where the characters sing mostly about themselves and about each other from opposite timelines and they only cross over once. And when do they cross over? Right in the middle at the proposal. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so beautiful. And they sing together for the only time. Only time. Uh, it took. I never knew that there was actually dialogue in the last five years until I you know, watched uh, the bootleg with Sherry Renee Scott and Norbert Leo Butts. And then by the time I saw it at second stage, I was prepared. But like, I was like, oh, there's they're speaking? Yep. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of uh, struck by that as well. I saw a, a community theater production in Albany back in high school and it was it hit just as hard as listening to it you know oh yeah uh i would say for me i i would 
I kind of preferred listening to the last five years than watching it, but I think that's sort of the way uh, almost like a concept album is, um, you know, like when people listen to Tommy for the first time or Avita for the first time, they had an image in their head of how it was, how it should look, how it should move. So everyone has their own opinion about it. Totally. Uh, yeah, which is why like no production is going to satisfy everybody. It's one of those shows where it's like, you listen to it, you have your image and then it almost never works out the way you want it to. Yeah, it's true. And I, you know, I, I will always say, I, I don't think anyone could have done it the way that uh, Norbert and Cherry did. And then every single time I see a production, whether it be, I saw the second stage, I saw the concert with Joshua Henry and Cynthia Erivo. And, and every time I leave going, nope, that was it. Yeah. And then I go back to the album and I go, wait, no, this is it. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's cause it's, it's, yes, it's in the performance, but it's also in the writing. And you can't you- have your performers save your writing. Because no. at, at that point you go, okay, well, um, you know, it's really good until it's not. But with this, it's always good. Mm. Jamie decides it's his right to decide. Jamie's got secrets he doesn't confide. And I'm still hurting. So um, let's start at the beginning and see where it takes us. Sure. We open <laughs> on... <laughs> on Kathy, she's uh, she has a letter in her hand, I believe. Yes, yeah, she has a letter uh, yeah, from James. I know. Well, but even before, well, I guess during that. But there's that yeah. beautiful waltz music yes. that you know is not in any vocal selections book you're gonna find. Mm-hmm. Um, but it opens and ends the show, mm-hmm. which I think is so lovely. You know, it's a waltz. It implies that there's two people together, mm-hmm. um, and it is both melodic and dissonant mm-hmm. and uh just to skip ahead to the end because it's i'm going to get off topic it opens the show so beautifully and then at the end of the show it closes it so beautifully and ends on that one note as mm-hmm. if to say it has gone it is done We've, we're ending on the tonic which you know to the not musical theater people is the key that we're in it is just a stunning way of saying and chapter closed mm-hmm and dramatically speaking, just in terms of musical storytelling, that waltz is not uh, just a random waltz. It's also the waltz that they dance to at their wedding. You'll hear right. it, you hear it in uh, the next 10 minutes. And it's also the melody for Jamie's Goodbye in I Could Never yes, Rest For You. Ooh, so that, so yeah, it's an example of using the same motif consistent, uh, not consistently, uh, constantly uh, for different purposes. Yeah. Uh, an example that I love to use because I know that like Andrew Lloyd Webber always gets sort of dragged for reusing melodies in his shows and some sometimes you know I can understand like I don't in Phantom I can't necessarily tell you why all the melodies are repeated Les Mis though is a show where I'm like every single time they reuse the melody it's for a purpose so an example being Valjean's soliloquy what have I done sweet Jesus what have I done and then Javert's suicide is the exact same song note for note different keys but note for note um and it's and it's dramatically there for a reason. It's a turning point for both men, uh, and for Valjean at the end, he chooses life, and for Javert, he chooses death. Mm. Same same uh, crossroads, different decisions on both parts. Gosh, uh, I love it. Yes. So I'm not saying that Jason Robert Brown watched Les Mis. He's like, I'm going to do that, but for divorce. <laughs> but no. maybe he did. I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, still hurting. It's so lovely. It's got that beautiful instr- instrumental section with the cellos in, in the in the beginning, cello and bass, I believe. Mm. Um, 
it has these very specific lyrics, but also very, um, you know, that's what I love about it. It's, you're able to do something specific without telling the audience exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. And a lyric that I will actually pull and use from probably, it's hard to say this, but probably my favorite song in the show uh, from Summer in Ohio is when she says, so I smiled like Mona Lisa and I laid my visa down. First, the rhyme is brilliant. Second, everyone knows how Mona Lisa smiles. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets it. Everyone knows exactly what it means. And third, it's, it, you're, you're not just saying exactly what you did. You're implying that you did this through this picture. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's so, it's, it's special. I'll stop there. I will go on for hours about it, but. No, don't stop. This is your obsession, kid. <laughs> keep talking. It, so keeps, it stops hurting. me from talking. So you please talk more. We do still hurting. And at that point, Kathy is the one you've been introduced to and you're rooting for her. You, mm -hmm. you have this woman who is, is very upset about a breakup uh, with this guy named Jamie. And then you go on to be introduced to Jamie who you expect to be this bad person, I guess, from hearing the song, and you hear him sing Shiksagatis and how, how wonderful he's talking about this woman, and you're rooting for him too, which mm -hmm. is why I think it's so cool, because a lot of times you're, you start a show with, you know, that's going in chronological order for every character, and you're rooting for all of them until something happens. But at this point, we're going backwards with her, and we're still rooting for both of them. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, you go, okay, well, maybe in certain aspects of all of them, I'm not rooting for either of them. It's yeah, very, it's very cool. As someone who has not been in many a relation and definitely not long ones, uh, I have many in a pin about both of them and their relation. But that's neither here nor there. I, <laughs> my brain truly is all over the place. So uh, I watched a deconstruction on YouTube the other day about the screenplay to Silence of the Lambs. Now stay with me. There's a reason. No, I'm, I'm with you. Okay. You're familiar with Silence of the Lambs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyone who isn't Oscar-winning movie from the early 90s, Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, most famously has the character Hannibal Lecter, who is a uh, psychotic cannibal, former psychiatrist. And the, when we are introduced to him in the movie, we are, you know, we are told up until that point, he's in uh, a high-security prison and Jodie Foster has to go interview him for the serial killer. And we are told by many people, he's evil incarnate. He's crazy. He's diabolical. He's, you know, he's just pure evil. And the movie, by the way they introduce him, so they have, you have this buildup of what this guy could be like. And you have Jodie Foster walk past all these cells leading up to his cell and sees all the inmates. And you see them get progressively more mentally unhinged. One guy is sort of muttering to himself. Another guy is... Uh, throwing himself against the bars. Another guy is uh, spitting at her, just getting more and more animalistic until we get to Hannibal Lecter, who is standing still and looking at her calmly as, he, as if he's welcoming her to afternoon tea. And it is such a twist and it totally goes against what you're thinking. And it translates to what you said with the last five years, where you hear Kathy talk about Jamie and this way that's like this guy who has no respect for her or her feelings, has dropped her, you know, on the side of the road feeling deserted, couldn't care less. How could she ever be with such a monster? And then we go into Shiksa Goddess where you see this adorably charismatic guy falling head over heels for her. And you're like, oh, not what I was expecting. <laughs> if you had a tattoo 
that wouldn't matter if you had a shaved head that would be cool if you came from spain or japan or the back of a van just as long as you're not from hebrew school i'd say now i'm getting somewhere i'm finally breaking through i'd say hey hey six of gods i've been waiting for someone like you but it's also in its own way a hint into who Jamie is and what he's going to become which is he's a very driven person he's a very focused person which is not a crime you know I there's something to be said about that but the way he sort of the the song is a list song uh in the same way that you know 100 ways to lose a man in wonderful town is the list song you know it it he's listing all the different ways that he's upsetting his family by falling in love with a non-Jewish girl he's listing all the Jewish girls he's ever been on dates with he's listing all the ways that Kathy could be you know socially unacceptable but he'd still be into her and could he uses the word could a yeah. lot yes it's, it could happen it's could i if... could be in love with someone like you yeah you know there's all these temporary sounding words in here that make it mm-hmm. a little bit uh, like yes he's excited but he also like he has this drive that maybe isn't supportive yeah and and then just again going musically because i'll probably always go here at the end of the song he says i could be in love with someone like you and he holds it out and mm-hmm. as he's holding it out, this music is spiraling down. And it holds down on this, this dark tone. At the yes. Bottom. I would also like to make a quick note to anyone who's wondering, Norbert Leo Butts, so they recorded the cast album after the show had closed. Yes. Because uh, the original production did not do super well. Uh, Off-Broadway in general is a very tricky venture. Uh, but... Norbert Leo Butts for so like you have Sherry Renee Scott who's singing it exactly how she did it in the theater. She's like, I I you know fart these notes out every day. I'm not going to embellish. I'm Sherry Renee Scott. Ping. I'm a, paying. I'm a professional, and she's very grounded. She's a natural actress. Norbert Leo Butts is like, I'm most likely am never going to sing this score again, especially not like in a recording. I am going to go balls to the walls with my vocals and do things that I never did in the theater, optioning yeah. up all the time, and is thus responsible for ruining at least half a dozen wonderful male singers' voices in trying to recreate. The amount of vocal hemorrhages I probably got from trying to do some Norbelio Buttsisms, and I, I, I don't regret it. He, I mean, <laughs> I, I did learn to sing a lot from Norbelio Butts. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe certain technical things I should have done differently because I'm not Norbelio Butts. Mm-hmm. But uh, even acting-wise, acting through a song, you're he's he's a master it's he's oh yeah they're both wonderful um and we'll get to other interpretations in a second because i want to finish yeah we're gonna put our foot to the pedal on the plot uh we get through uh we get so uh, also it's important to note the careers of these characters kathy is an aspiring actress jamie's an aspiring writer and one of the major uh conflicts in their relationship is her career as an actress stalls and his career as a writer accelerates and it doesn't and part of it is luck of the draw part of it is uh drive part of it is you know kathy is uh one of kathy's biggest um i'm gonna say flaws i'm perhaps like uh hurdles to overcome is that she's constantly down on herself and she's very easily discouraged so one failure is enough to sort of put her on the couch for a week whereas jamie it's like you know a uh, a rejection is simply someone who doesn't get him onto the next uh and there's something to be said for her taking some of that energy, but there's also something to be said for him taking some of her humility. Yeah. Uh, 
he could stand to take some of her humility as well is what I'm saying. Anywho, uh, so then we go into See I'm Smiling where we catch Kathy uh, at her latest venture in Ohio. And yeah, how would, how would we describe this song? Oh, heartbreaking. Oh, so sad. Because you get this idea that he, he came to visit, visit her, uh, I guess it would be her birthday? It's or on her it birthday, yeah. It's on her birthday. So um, he's there. And uh, instead of wanting to spend the time with her, it's clear in the lyrics that he has other commitments that he has to return to New mm-hmm. York for. Um, he's there out of birthday. obligation, not, beca- not to support. Yeah. So um, it's, uh, she has this rant in the middle of the song, which I think is so unbelievably written mm-hmm. and orchestrations. And, which and foreshadowing. It has, it has musical writing foreshadowing in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know oh, what I'm talking about. The foreshadowing? Yeah. The, the lyrics that are used again. In, uh, oh yeah. In, in Summer in Ohio. No. In, in uh, I Can Do Better Than That. I Can Do Better Than That. Yes. That's what, it, yeah. Oh, it's so and good. Why are you acting brand new? Well, they're not okay. So they're not the same lyrics, though. No, it's the same. But they are print, based, the same framework. motif. It's the yeah. same idea. And and oh, gosh, show, they're so. Good. And I know in your soul it must drive you crazy that you won't get to play with your little girlfriends. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And the point is, Jamie, that you can't spend a single day that's not about you and you and nothing but you. Marvelous novelist, you isn't he wonderful? Just twenty years. It's all this pent-up rage that she probably has already said a bunch of times and still feels this this pressure to have to say it more and, and, and louder and you know, but it's it's all in the writing. It's written really Yeah, well. the only thing more frustrating than not having the opportunity to speak your piece is to speak having to speak your piece over and over and over because it's not being understood. Mm. Um so that is something to think about when you are doing that song. Uh yeah. yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Moving too fast. Arguably uh, some people's, you know, favorite song in the show. It's written very well. Uh, it, it's one of my favorite songs in the show. It's fantastic. It shows this, uh, the escalation of his career and his his well-being. And at all the time, he's talking about them together. Yes, he's talking about himself. I did all these things, but then it it, it, it leads to him saying, you know, this is all the things that we're going to gain from it. Mm-hmm. But it's all with his own success. And it's, oh gosh, it's written so well. Musically, lyrically, it's so good. It's so good. It, I, can't, I don't know how much I could say on this song because it's so just, it's. Um, I mean, musically speaking, again, when you have a really great singer, it's just like, at the at the risk of sounding misogynistic, it's a panty dropper for me. Uh, it's just, <laughs> when... You know, no, not misogynistic because I'm talking about my panties. Uh, it is, it definitely butters me up. I will say, dramatically, again, it has some foreshadowing there because, as you said, it is very much about his career and what he's gaining. And while he does reference Kathy, and it's not about you know my happiness, it's more our happiness. It's not her. Her success is not factoring into the song, and what she wants out of life isn't factoring into the song. It's everything he wants that she will be a part of. Yes, exactly. And throughout all this, it's 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 a it's like a list. He's listing yeah. all these accomplishments. He's listing all these things that he wants. And throughout that, musically, we're modulating mm-hmm. up 
enough mm -hmm. and up to build the tension, build yeah. the suspense, build the idea that he's, you know, it's 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 gonna blow. It's so yeah. smart. We start to take the next step together. Found an apartment on 73rd. The Atlantic Monthly's printing my first chapter. So, moving too fast is over. We now have uh, a part of that. One of my other favorite songs. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. This, I would, th this is another one where you, you you have lots of specificity in the lyrics. And musically, it's uh, the one that if I sit down at the piano and I want to play something like a show tune, mm -hmm. I will open up this book and I will play this song. Um, it's so lovely. It has this these optimistic ideas of Kathy saying, you know, it's 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 for us. He's doing stuff for us. It's working. It's fine. Nothing all that bad, at least for her. You know, my dog's growling on the floor. Um, it, nothing all that bad for her as in her mind, she's been able to justify things, I think, up to this point. And mm -hmm. now it's, it's getting to the point where she's, she's breaking down and realizing that, that it's, it's not working. Yeah. And that it's hard because she, I think she, a lot of, for a lot of reasons, will end up going to blame herself. Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's written well it's done well i highly recommend uh people watch on youtube the anna kendrick version of it it's her version of part of that is probably my favorite of all the kathy's which is and when i say favorite in terms of any interpretation everyone understand that i think that everyone's fantastic so it's a testament to how good that interpretation is of each song than to like drown out anybody else. That is Love what that. we need to understand right here, right now. Because uh, her, so in the movie they sort of portrayed over a period of different interviews of book launches for Jamie's new book. Uh, you see flashes of her and Jamie in the house. You see his work ethic and how sort of she factors into it, which is truly not at all. And just when you like kind of start to get annoyed at him, you the sh movie shows a shows the dedication in the book which is to her and his the his author photo in the sleeve is the photo she took of him yeah. and you think oh well that's so sweet but then you go back to the book launch and she's alone in the corner of the room sort of just singing to herself i'm a part of that i'm a part of that aren't i and it's so it's as you said fucks with your emotions and she doesn't play the victim in it you as you said it's you sort of see her you see her trying to convince herself that she's a part of it but we also see the cracks yes and that comes from not from the actor point of view not projecting don't project the cracks project the um uncertainty we will see the cracks it hits so much harder to Schmuel. Oh, Schmuel is so good. Which is Jamie's show, showcase song in, uh, it's a senior year showcase song. <laughs> Fun fact, Jason Robert Brown has a book about Schmuel, a children's book. Oh, does he really? That he wrote, yeah. That's I'm, lovely. 
assuming it came after the show, but maybe not. Maybe, you know, who knows? That's, uh, that's what we call synergy. That's what, that's what we call synergy. This is one of my favorite songs um, orchestration-wise. Mm. There's many, uh, an interesting thing that the words and the music match up pretty perfectly because the words are very descriptive. Um, and it's a very cool idea of this, you know, it's, it's, he's giving her this song, this, this idea, this story that he wrote her for Christmas and basically saying, you got to chase your dreams now or you're going to lose all the time. At least the way I took, took it, you're going to lose the time if you're, if you're not, you know, getting out there and doing everything that you can. And, uh, and yes, there's so many great things about the song, but the last line is of course, the one that everyone is, is going to uh, leave the song loving the most, which is him saying, have I mentioned today how lucky I am to be in love with you, which mm -hmm. is so beautiful. It is and specific and lovely. Yes, and a callback to earlier. And it's just, it's, it works in a dramatic sense. It's an emotional line. Um, yeah, you know, Jamie puts on this whole story, as you said, about Shmuel, this, uh, what is he? He's a, he's a dressmaker. Taylor. Taylor, he's yeah. a Taylor. Um, and he gets the chance to uh, have more time to eventually, he gets enough time in the end to go back to his youth and sort of redo his life. And Jamie uses it as an example to Kathy, who wants to be an actress, but is bartending and waitressing and not really going out there and uses it to motivate her to go out for her dreams, which, you know, is a wonderful sentiment. It's a wonderful sentiment, of course, if you're that, uh, um, if your idea of the gift is to showcase your talents and then tell her, use yours, it's of course, it's going to hit hard in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, uh, but the sentiment is lovely. It is a lovely sentiment. Um, he does motivate her, which is good because that leads <laughs> then into the funniest song in the show. Oh, I agree. Uh, Summer, Summer in Ohio. Ohio. Um, this I've mentioned earlier is my favorite song in the show. I, I, I think, uh, lyrically the jazziness of it, it's just so unique and mm -hmm. goes in so many directions, um, musically and, 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 and lyrically. And it's, it's so, um, there's no kind of AB rhyme scheme. It, it's, it's all just woven through and you get it and it's just great. And there are, I mean, I could pull out of every single line I could pull out and deconstruct. There's so many great things. There's uh, the Mona Lisa one that I've mentioned. There's the line towards the end where she says, the torture is just exquisite mm. while I'm waiting for you to visit. Because that is, it's so real. It's, it, it hurts in the best way, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's, he's not just saying it hurts in the best way. He has beautiful words to, to say these things and it's yeah. so smart and it, it, it's a great, and if you haven't heard the Cynthia Riva version of this, mm. do so because it's magic. The Cynthia Riva version. Also, if you can find it, uh, Lauren Kennedy's version in Chicago, because they did it in Chicago before they brought it she to was New York. the original. Original, original. Yes. And it's actually, I think it's a full step up from what the key is Woo! now. Yes. Wow. Oh, Lauren Kennedy could, belt you literally any note it is absolutely <laughs> insane uh there is she was also emily skinner's standby in sideshow she was da she was the daisy standby and there's audio of her in that and just all i mean phenomenal as emily skinner is there are notes that emily skinner like doesn't head voice because she's you know a much uh lower throaty alto that lauren kennedy just full-on belts um and, and you're like i didn't know i needed that note belted in my life now i do um can i just and I 
I, I implore everyone to, to fact check me on this because it may be wrong, but I, I think maybe not for that production, but for the Men Out of Land production, I think Kelly O'Hara might have been the understudy for Sherry and I Scott. Um, and I think, she, and maybe I'm wrong, I th- but I think that it, she was introduced to Jason that way and he loved her so much. I don't, I know that, that she went in for it. I know she went in for it. I don't know. Well, I don't think she that. was, I don't think she was actually the understudy. She might've been offered the understudy. Um, I see. Cause I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I, cause I saw her in concert at town hall with Seth Rudesky and she brought up the last five years. And I think I, God, do I wish I remember the exact specifics of it. I think I talked about it on this pod a while back. I think she was offered the understudy track even though she wasn't really vocally right for it, they just liked her so much and they liked what she did with the material. I think she didn't end up taking it. I think she ended up doing Follies instead. Okay. Yeah. We're going to be slammed in the comments. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) I get get slammed in the comments for talking too much anyway, so. That to say, you know, uh, if you're maybe not even like 100% right for something and you think, you know, it's worth making these these networking uh, mm-hmm. connections, go for it. Yeah. Or Take if they tell chances. you you're not right for it, but you think you are, go for it. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, one of my favorite stories is Rebecca Luker, uh, Tony nominated Rebecca Luker, Broadway star Rebecca Luker, when they were doing Music Man the last time, she was like, I need to be seen for this. I am one of the best sopranos on Broadway. And they were like, no, we don't want to see you. And she's like, I am Tony nominee Rebecca Luker. You need to see me. And they're like, no, we don't want to see you. She's like, I've worked with Susan Stroman. You need to see me. And they finally, finally, after like months of being like, see me, see me, see me. She went into the room, booked it, got a Tony nomination. So like, mm-hmm. mic drop, Rebecca Luker. Mic drop. He wants me, he wants me, but he ain't gonna get me. Then we have the only time they do wet. They do wet. Uh, and he proposes to her. In the um, original production, they were in a boat. Mm-hmm. Or, is on that stage. how it usually is? I guess it they're, is. They're yes. supposed to be, yeah, they're supposed to be in a boat in the stage version. Because uh, yep. they're in the uh, reservoir. Or not the reservoir, like one of the lakes in Central Park. And yep. he's pointing yes. out um, he's pointing out buildings that are surrounding the park. Because yes. she's trying to recognize them and she's getting them all wrong. Right. And that's how we find out that, you know, they, he starts, or it starts with him saying uh, responses to her questions and the song ends with her questions. Yes. Um, and it's so lovely. And, you know, it, he's so optimistic in his proposal and she's so, I guess I wouldn't call hers non-optimistic, but she, the first thing she does is point out her flaws mm-hmm. when in response to him. And that's telling. Um, but even then, it, it's such a beautiful, beautiful song. But then, on top of all that, so like, yes, she starts off with her flaws, but then when they finally overlap together, and because he, he's singing, will you share your life with me for the next 10 minutes, sort of like every 10 minutes, we'll sort of recommit to each other. 
And when they start singing and overlapping, she's singing the word forever and he keeps on singing the next 10 minutes. Yes. He's like, end game, done. This is going on forever. And he's like, every 10 minutes, we'll just say we love each other. And it's like, is that how you think love should go? I mean, both there's there's merit to both. Did you ever see the show You're the Worst? No. Are you aware of it? Maybe. What is it? It was a show on FX. Uh, I think you can watch it on Hulu now. And it basically, like, the idea of it was supposed to be was, like the anti-romantic comedy. It was like two people who were just Maybe very broken and cynical, but they fall in love with each other, and they fit. Huh. Uh, I mean, it's a very good show. But the, I mean, the show ended essentially with them. I don't know if they if they legally got married, but they because the idea of marriage in forever freaks them both out. So they decide to basically just like every day they decide that they're going to still be with each other. Um, And it takes the pressure off of forever. And they're like, at any point we can bail, we'll wake up each morning and decide to recommit to each other. And then I think the beauty of that is like over time, they stopped having to like recommit each day and it just sort of became the norm. Uh, So I understand where Jamie's coming from, but you definitely can sort of see the, the clashing of ideals as he keeps singing the next 10 minutes and she's singing forever. And then of course there's his line, which leads into the, I will never change the world until I do, which mm-hmm. can be taken of course two ways. First of all, he says, I will never change the world. Mm-hmm. And then until I do, which could be until I do it by myself with my talents, mm-hmm. or it could be taken until we say I do, mm-hmm. which is Yep. Oh, layers. Levels and layers. 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 Okay. And then we go into their wedding waltz, which is the waltz we heard at the beginning. We'll hear mm-hmm. it again. And then, as you said, we close off with Kathy's questions to Jamie's answers. And one of my favorite bits of staging, uh, they did it in the original, they did it at second stage, which is as so on, in the original, they're on a turntable uh, to sort of yes. represent the passage of time. And at second stage, there was a treadmill so either way the boat is going off stage as she's singing and both betsy wolf and sharon a scott are singing there you know is that the so-and-so is that so-and-so and we know that at the end of the questions jamie's going to pull out a ring because we saw him do it we see him pull out a ring and sing kathy and both sharon a scott and betsy wolf are singing their bit like can we go see the dinosaurs and then right before the boat goes off stage you see they're looking down seeing the ring and gasping and that's the last uh. image before the song ends Ah, uh, it's fucking. It's ah, oh God, it's it just hits hard. Yeah. It hits hard. It's emotions. Forever. Will you share your life with me Forever. for the next ten lifetimes? After moving too fast, we now have the song where Jamie officially turns into a dick. In my yeah, opinion. officially, hundred percent. He he, they're they're married, mm-hmm. or they're no, they're married. Yes, they're married. They are married, and he um starts uh, thinking that he's not satisfied. Mm-hmm. And he needs to find it elsewhere. He yep. can't get it from his writing, and he can't get it from his wife. So he starts going to maybe other women. Yes, it's framed in the sense that. There's uh, he's the opening line is everyone tells you the minute you get married, every other woman in the world suddenly finds you attractive. And the gist is that like, it's not just every woman. It's the kind of women you always wanted to, you know, hook up with, but, and now they want you because you're taken. 
and his attitude is like, I, I'm not going to do it. I could never, but like, look at all these opportunities. Oh my God. And it's, he's trying to frame it as like, uh, I mean, to, you know, reference another douchebag, uh, Louis CK, who's like, his whole shtick was always like, I'm just speaking the truth that everyone's thinking. Right. And sort of that's where Jamie's kind of come from. It's like, I'm just, I'm just speaking a truth. It's, I'm no. not going to do anything. And it's like the way you're wording it, the way your attitude is going about it is not helpful, sir. And I'm pretty sure uh, once upon a time when I watched a um, bootleg of, of Norbert doing it, when he says, uh, he, you know, he's getting all these phone calls and he says um, he's leaving Kathy a voicemail, I think, where he's saying, uh, uh, you know, he's leaving. Mm-hmm. And he's coming back to her and I'm pretty sure he's at a bar and he points to his beer and, and signals that he wants another one as he's yep. saying it. That he do. That boy, he oh, do. boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So then in that same song, we go into Climbing Uphill. Which is what? Right? Yeah, yeah it goes in Climbing Uphill. Which is uh, K- um, K- Kathy doing her darndest trying to, uh, you know, get her success and not having much luck doing it. And then the whole time... Um, saying you know just downing herself the whole time doubting everything she's saying downing everything she's doing and and just playing really being really hard on herself mm-hmm. um and it's it's done well it, 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 there's that her audition song which clearly is written in a way where it's it's too close to home mm-hmm. and it's played in a lot of different ways she can't quite catch up with it it's yeah. <clears throat> it's like life is getting thrown at her and she has to figure it out Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mostly her subtext, I guess, is that tune uh, while she's auditioning and, and what she's actually thinking and saying. And it's so brilliant and, and it seems so real. Mm-hmm. And, and they have, well. and Jason Robert Brown writes her inner monologue in the song at one point, which I, I mean, the whole song is obviously an inner monologue, but when there's a moment where we come back to seeing her audition, I think it's like we see her audition three or four times. You see at one point her doing a completely successful audition where she books it. And then as we go, further back in time you see a lot of the times where it doesn't work out either the piano player uh just goes too fast he's singing he's doing the wrong key i love the, it's it's always up for interpretation how they do it like in the movie he's playing it in completely the wrong key and anna kendrick's like trying to negotiate what key he's actually playing in um yeah. and then in the original you see he plays like a, a bell tone which totally throws sherry renee scott off like you look at her yeah. and look off she's like what and then she starts and he's playing at like triple the speed he's supposed to yeah oh it's so great it's so good but then on top of that you see her auditioning again and the subtle light change shows what's going on in her head as opposed to what's happening outwardly and it's all the struggles and insecurities that performers have whenever they audition why is the director staring at his crotch why is that man staring at my resume? Don't stare at my resume. I made up half my resume. Look at me. Stop looking at that. Look at me. No, not of my shoes. Don't look at my shoes. I hate these fucking shoes. Why'd I pick these shoes? Why'd I pick this song? Why'd I pick this career? Why does this pianist hate me? For anyone who's like, why would you put yourself through this uh, when you have a man who's succeeding so well and can you know, carry you both to comfort. She has her response, which is that I will not be that girl. I'm not going to be the one who's missing life and missing everything because I'm content with just being provided for. She's like, I need to make something of myself as well. Yeah. Uh, I have to catch up and it's just so good. And it doesn't end. And also, um, calls back to see I'm smiling the, and the, and I, 
like, and I am what, and I am doing what, and you know, who are, who am I, what am I doing? That it, yeah. it cuts off before it can be answered. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, so great. It is great. And then it goes into perhaps the most devastatingly ruthless song. Oof. Um, yeah. So this tune, uh, it is one that I sang a lot growing up um, and, and I've nitpicked it down with, with coaches and, and, and it's interesting how many times I would play the positive or they'd be like, I don't think it means that. So he says, you know, um, if I didn't believe in you and all of the 10,000 women you are, mm-hmm. I was always playing that like, you're spectacular. You can do, you can do anything, but I, you know, and maybe it is that way, but it's got such a negative connotation. It's so yeah. um, it's, yeah it's a it's, it's a, a, it's, a backhand, it's a pack-handed compliment for sure it's all of it. yeah. everything about it is a backhanded compliment yes it and it's not it's it's not even about her it's about how he feels she's dragging him down it's yeah you know, if, if it's i a little didn't bit of like a suck it up yeah if i didn't believe in you and just when you think maybe just maybe jamie could possibly be onto something he says the most devastating line which is I was I will not lose because you can't win. Is that the actual I will not lose because you yeah. I will not lose because you can't win. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And in the film I will not fail so you can be comfortable. I will not lose because you can't win. Yes. And you do, the song is devastating as it is. And the film I really like the interpretation, not just because Jeremy Jordan sings and acts the shit out of it, but because uh, director Richard Legravenez, again, someone I know well, but I said this to him when I saw the movie. Uh, I was like, that was, it's so amazing. He keeps the camera on Anna Kendrick the entire time. It's a, we are, it, the camera is following her and how yeah. she's responding to the song and the color what little color is left in that girl's face in that song goes completely out the moment that line is uttered. And you just see the clouds come over the eyes and she's like, he said it, the thing that like, I've always dreaded him saying, the thing that I always thought he was thinking, he just said it and he didn't say it to hurt me. He said it cause he meant it. And she just gets up and she slowly walks into the bathroom and she shuts the door because yeah. like, what can you say after that? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah I, you're making me want to, I need to watch the movie again. I can't say that the movie is perfect. I think it does about as good a job of making a film out of that show as it can. And sure. I think there's a lot, I think it's one of the more successful modern movie adaptations. I also like, they they balance live singing and studio singing. So there are times when it's a pre-recording track and times when it's live and they yeah. sort of blend the two. So it's always pleasant to listen to but it always feels real as well and yeah. that is worth pointing out les miserables <laughs> oh is it real oh, that hugh jackman is straining and bring him home i don't care it sounds bad oh no oh there are things no. that the lamest movie gets right but there are times when they get it wrong for the sake of authenticity sure yeah you know what's not authentic charles what singing in public that's singing true in, singing in four-part uh, harmony while you're having a revolution that's not authentic sure i, I mean i i can't speak for a lot of those things i sing in public if there were a revolution i'd probably be singing at least the 
tenor or bass part. Um, but I, um, yeah, I, yeah. But it wouldn't be things that I'm, I'm making up on the spot. It'd be tunes from the last five years that I'm humming. Yes, bring, bring it on. If I didn't believe in you, we wouldn't be having this fight. If I didn't believe in you. I would walk out the door and say, Kathy, you're right. But I never could let that go. Knowing the things about you, I know things when I met you four years ago. I knew. It never took much convincing to make me believe in you. I want to get into my favorite song of the show. Yeah, this is this one is also this is I one can, of those. I can do better than that. In truth, I would argue Jamie probably has the best songs in terms of like musical showing off, in terms of like vocal pyrotechnics. I gravitate more towards Kathy's songs just on a dramatic actor level. I think they are phenomenal. I go back and forth. I I I, I agree with you somewhat, but I, I think I prefer at this point in my life right now, Kathy's tunes. Um, I think, man, she, yeah, the, I mean, they're, they're, they're all written so well. It's hard. They are. I can't like deconstruct this in a bad way whatsoever. Cause it's just so, so. I mean, if you paid me enough, I'm sure I could. Yeah, I'm sure. A, I mean, tell me what to say. Yeah. I'm a snarky enough <laughs> asshole that like, I'm sure I could find a way to deconstruct this show. I mean, I'm not, I can't tell you that I find the show to be perfect, but I find the overall effect so good that I can overlook bumps sure i've not i would not skip a song no i don't think that's saying a lot um but tell me about this song what do you mean so this song actually i want you to tell me about this song because you love it so much and i'll i just add in my my two not acknowledged how much i've spoken already during your obsession no i want to hear it because i want to hear you talk about it so this song happens on a car ride uh in the story jamie is going to meet kathy's family for the first time that is, and so what I love about this song and that certain actors, you can see them doing it, is that the song is, it's a both a story song, a list song, and a surprise song in the same way that the Shmuel song kind of has all those things as well. There is an ace up Kathy's sleeve at the end of it, which is that ultimately she's trying to tell Jamie that she wants him to move in with her. That is essentially the purpose of the song. And that everything that's happening in this moment is like leading up to this. And she starts by giving him like a background on her life pre him. What led her to this moment? And it's both, you know, when you're in a relationship, you're sort of letting out your skeletons out of the closet and the people you know. All uh, the baggage. Skeletons in the closet. Yeah, all the baggage. She's airing out the baggage. And it while also using said moment of airing out baggage to sort of reinforce I have been through all this, so I know what I want right now and what I want is you. And the title, I Can Do Better Than That, um, is reflective of Kathy's uh, refusal to settle. Why she says, I won't be the girl in the burbs. Why she won't just settle for performing it in Ohio every summer. Why she needs to do more. Because that same drive that we see in Jamie, she has it too. She just can be harder on herself and life has thrown her more curveballs than they have thrown him. So it's easier for her to fall down than it is for him. But this is perhaps the most confident, the funniest, and the most uh, 
I, I already said confident, but I'll say another version of that, which is the most sure of herself and her wants and her needs is in this song. Which and, makes it all the more heartbreaking when she talks about a past relationship where um, she was, uh, uh, someone had, had left her a note mm-hmm. and left. And, and you know at that point, because you've seen the end of it, that, that Jamie does the same thing. Yes. And, and, she, and what I also love about that note with the, so this is another song where the line has gotten changed over time. It used to be uh, she was dating a guy who looked like Tom Cruise you could sort of say looked like Tom Cruise and now it's who had some very well-placed tattoos because yeah. looking like Tom Cruise is not so much a compliment these days. Uh, point I is, think he's handsome. Oh, he is handsome, but like it, the, it's a different connotation in 2020 than it was in 2001. Yes. Sure. Uh, which is to say that relationship, she wasn't in it because she was in love. She was in it because she was like, this might be the best I get. So like maybe, and then it blows up in her face and she's like, well, fuck that. I'm, if I'm going to have something blow, blow up in my face, I want it to be something that I care about, yeah. uh, which goes for her relationship, which goes for Jamie. And it's, it's a wonderfully acted song. It, you, and you see in that song why someone would fall in love with her. Um, you see, you've, you see a, a very a complex person, the entire show, but this is truly summer in Ohio is a great show-stopping song, but there is the humor in it is all the sort of negative aspects of what she's going through and how she's sort of, she's not spinning the positive. She's just making fun of the negative things in her life. I, I, I Can Do Better Than That is the f- first song she sings that's fully positive where you see the charming and uh, magnetic person that she can be uh, and what makes uh, Jamie so drawn to her. And it's... Yeah. And yeah, and again, similar to Summer in Ohio, it doesn't, it builds vocally very slowly. It's a long mm-hmm. song, so it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. So you can't have her belting her tits off right out the gate. It, it builds. And it also has that uh, section that reflects in CM smiling that I want you and you and nothing but you turns it on its head in a positive, like, I want you. Mm-hmm. You are what I want, not what I yeah. need. You are what I want, uh, which is. If anyone's ever watched Grey's Anatomy, and you know that anyone, all the listeners know that I've been into Grey's Anatomy these days, Meredith has a phenomenal line where she says to Derek, I don't need you in my life, Derek. I want you there. Like, there's a difference. Boom. Yes. I don't watch Grey's Anatomy, but that... Uh, the first three seasons are quite fantastic. You don't have to watch anymore after that. I want you and you and nothing but you. Miles and piles of you. Finally, I'll have something worthwhile. Substitution will do nothing but fresh, undiluted, and pure. Top of the line. And that's what makes the song so effective for me. Yeah, you you said it very well. That's beautiful. I mean, I went to college. Wow! Believe it or not, I have Sweet. an education in musical <laughs> theater. Uh, although where I went to college, we were not told outwardly we were it was implied that jason robert brown was less than what at the place where i went to school uh and i understood why they were saying that but i disagreed with it and yeah, i still sure. disagree with it um, of course, i don't think they would probably say it anymore no well it was a school where that was like we really reflect acting and you know so you shouldn't be singing pretty all the time and this specific professor found that jason he felt jason robert brown stuff was a showcase for pretty singing not acting and i think it's a showcase for both 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think anyone would uh, agree with you there. Yes, That's I knew that. I knew this professor was full of shit the moment he uh, said that Audra McDonald was more of a singer than an actress. And I sat there and I went, "I will continue my education here, but I will take what you say selectively." Yeah, there you go. Anywho, then we move on to a sad, 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 sad song. The nail in the coffin um, of the relationship. The nail in the coffin, where uh, Jimmy has. In the movie, it shows him cheating multiple times, I believe, in the yes. song. including with the woman that Kathy accused him of cheating on her with. Yes, correct. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's just him talking, basically just him trying to explain things for himself, for himself, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's no, it was his easy way out. Yes. Uh, and it's sad and, you know. I guess it's great that Kathy didn't have to end up, you know, just putting up with it anymore. And yeah. it, it ends there, but it's sad to uh, listen to. And the musical on stage is very deliberate in not making it clear who he's singing to, mm-hmm. which I think is very important because it le- leaves it open to interpretation if he has been cheating and Kathy was right, or if Kathy's, um, suspicions and the tension in the relationship eventually led him to cheat which is again open to director and actor interpretation the movie states explicitly she's been right this whole time um again as you said multiple women including the woman that she accused him with um and then the final lyric of the song is of course uh, refers back to shiksa goddess and where he says i could be in love with someone like you and on the you i think there's a key change so it it's like almost like it's a new chapter. It's mm-hmm. somebody else. There's this whole, um, just it's it's done. At that mm-hmm. point, it's like I I I have moved on. And um, you also find out that this song takes place right before "See I'm Smiling," because he has to go yes. to Ohio to see her. So she was yeah. so fucking right when she says, "You and your little playthings." And See oh, I'm it's smiling. so. Oh. so tries sad. to gaslight her, and she's like, "Stop <laughs> yeah. it! I know. Just stop it." Ah. Oh, it makes you uh, mad. Oh boy. Doesn't it just? And you're like, he's not real. <laughs> yeah. The emotions are real. The person is not. Anyway, then we no. go on to the ending. Then we go into the ending. Which to me is honestly, her goodbye until tomorrow for me is, I find it sexy as hell in the way that like a first date, a good oh, first yeah. date is sexy. It, it, you feel it. You, yeah. you love, you love it. You love, you're so happy for her. She, you know, uh, you, you know how what's happened and it's still such a great song. She, mm-hmm. she puts the words in perfectly. And at the same time, when she's talking about him leaving from their first date, he is there singing about him leaving for good. Yes. And uh, I guess they, they don't really sing together. They're not singing together, but you know, they sing. At the same they time. They sing in the song. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, her and her lyrics are, you know, goodbye until tomorrow and his are just goodbye. Mm-hmm because he's leaving the letter that she's going to find. Um, anyone who's dated in New York City and has had a really great first date in New York City completely understands the music that begins Goodbye Until Tomorrow. That intimacy, like when you have a really great first date that ends with a really wonderful kiss, because New York City is a very public place. Even though people really don't care about you or what's going on with you, everyone's in their own world. It still feels like a very public place. So no one likes to sort of put their intimacy out in the open, but there's mm. something about a really great first date and ending with a really good kiss where it's like, you say, it's like, fuck it. 
going to do it because it feels right. And then everything just sort of kind of goes away as it happens. To quote another yeah. Jason Harper Brown song, it all fades away. Boom. Um, boom. Don't kiss me goodbye again. Leave this night clean and quiet. You want the last word. You want me to laugh. But leave it for now. All you can say. All you can feel was wrapped up inside that one perfect kiss. Leave it at that. I'll watch you turn a corner and go. And goodbye until tomorrow. Goodbye. Yeah, and well, then they end on the same word, goodbye, which mm-hmm. on the same notes. Uh, in unison and then it goes into that beautiful waltz where it just fizzles down to that last note and yep. then ends his his because his final song is i could never rescue you which is the melody for that waltz um mm-hmm. yeah i love what i love about the double meaning of those lyrics of uh i'll be waiting because she starts with i have been waiting you know mm-hmm. i i've gotten to this point i know now what i've been what i'm looking for what i've gone through and you're it. So I have been waiting for this, which means I will continue to wait because I know this is worth it. But as you said, mm-hmm. also has the other meaning of in, you know, for the audience knowing in this relationship, she's going to be the one who's always waiting while he does what he does. Yeah. Yeah. And now we close. That um, was a brief um, dissection of the last five years. Yeah. We so, will be joining weekly to discuss it. <laughs> yes. Could jo- join us next week when we discuss... Uh, every other production of this show so to someone who's coming to this recording for the first time would you recommend the original recording first uh i i don't know i mean it it hasn't made me dislike any other recordings as Mm -hmm. some recordings do um it is my the one i prefer because i went to it first Mm -hmm. i think it's the most raw Mm -hmm. in terms of just the recording process more than anything else um, just the way that it sounds mm-hmm. because I, you know, nothing to do with the singers, nothing to do with maybe lyric changes or orchestration changes. I just, it feels like you're sitting down and it, like a concept album. Like it yeah. feels like you can just sit and live with these characters for an hour or however long it is. Yeah. Is that is, how, is that the advice you would give to someone listening to it for the first time? Just sort of like take it all in, imagine it. Yeah, oh yeah. Sit down listen. Yeah. yeah. Don't skip around. Just listen through. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, um, you know, there are not people who, well, there, of course, there are going to be people listening to it for the first time, but if you've heard songs from the show, I hope you've been interested enough to to learn them all. Yeah. I mean, you've already kind of touched on it, but I, just to sort of cap it off now that we're coming to the close, what makes you keep coming back to it? It's a, a real story. I mean, it's, 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 it's very real. It's written without any guard up. It's, you can see the flaws in both the characters. You can find the things you love about both the characters. The music is to die for. The lyrics mm-hmm. are, are some of the most um, experimental and they, they kind of just fit together like a puzzle. It's and a hard puzzle. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's something you have to think about them and, and you could keep finding new things whether it be the orchestrations or the, or the music or the lyrics. There's so many great things that are so relatable whoever you are in in whatever relationship you're in you know 
whether it be a good or bad one, because there's good and bad stuff in, in this, there's good and bad stuff in, in lots of things. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be viewed as a tragic piece mm-hmm. all the way through. Mm-hmm. Charles, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank this has you. been wonderful. Um, where can people find you? Um, I'm mostly just on Instagram at Chaz A. Franklin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, follow if you want. Yeah. Uh, and there will be, there's already, uh, not already, there will be a preamble before this episode where people can donate. There'll also be one in the description box. Uh, any donations right now that you would like people to be aware of to maybe donate to or places where they yeah. can educate themselves from? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Go on your Instagram, find as many as you want to donate to. There's, there's, there's no wrong answer in this. You can, mm-hmm. well, there are some wrong answers, but I think for the most part, people are sharing the ones that are the right answers. So, you know, go to the people you trust, go to the people trying to make a change, donate. There's one that I'm really uh, fighting for right now. It's Broadway for Racial Justice. It's basically mm-hmm. trying to make theater and Broadway a, a safe space for everybody. You know, that we don't want anybody uncomfortable and we want to make sure all the right people are able to, um, um, you know, come in and, and make decisions that are helpful for everybody, that support mm-hmm. everybody, that make Broadway a comfortable and safe space, or theater a comfortable and safe space for everybody. That's fantastic. Um, that's Broadway for Racial Justice. There's a PayPal in their Instagram. And you can see the link for that in our description. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles, we close out every episode with uh, a Broadway diva. Uh, you get to choose the Broadway diva. Although keep in mind, we've already done Sherry Renee Scott and Anna Kendrick. So if you wanted to keep it last five years themed, those are taken. But if you wanted to do someone else uh, that's not last five years themed, I would recommend that as well. Okay. Do I just have to, I just have to pick a Broadway diva? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Can you just play Adrian Warren? Yeah. I was, I didn't want to say anything. I was hoping you'd say her, but I didn't want to, I wasn't going to push you, but that's who I really wanted. You, I would push you for not doing it. No, I, uh, uh, I wish there was an official recording of Shuffle Along because my God, would I want her audio from that, but I will settle for Tina. Yes. Uh, yes. No, absolutely. Adrian Warren. Thank you. I'm so pl- I'm so pleased that you said that. I was afraid you were going to be like, mm, this person. Uh, no, 100%. no, no. Thank you. Ah, oh, perfect. All right. So in the meantime, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, you can check out the last five years, literally anywhere. There are three major recordings of it. All are worthwhile. Um, and in the meantime, guys, keep on keeping on. Stay safe. Stay positive. Stay active. Uh, this is Barbie Breakdown, and this is Adrian Warren. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise.